You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Hi there, welcome to the show. It is Friday, August the 4th, and a bright and very pleasant start to the day here at Goodwood for the final daily episode of the week. Uh, yesterday uh, provided us with not perhaps the result we expected in the Markel Nassau stakes, but certainly an eventful race and one that threw up plenty of talking points, which we will deal with later. The bald facts are that Al Houston gave the Shadwell operation another Group 1 straight off the back of Hookham's success in the King George last week. Like Hookham, this horse was ridden by Jim Crowley, but unlike Hookham, this one was trained by Roger Varian, eyeing up a tilt at the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf at Santa Anita at the end of the year. Perhaps the most significant result yesterday, however, occurred in the Gordon Stakes. It may yet be the case that Desert Hero, owned by His Majesty the King and Majesty the Queen, ends up the year being one of the more talented horses in training. He is trained by William Haggis. He completed the Ascot Goodwood double. Haggis wasn't here on hand at Goodwood yesterday, but I caught up with him this morning to reflect on what was a a pretty impressive performance under a pretty daring ride from Tom Marquand. This is what William Haggis had to say. Well, he's developing and going the right way. And, you know, if you give these horses time, they can repay you, hopefully. And, and this horse definitely taking a step in the right direction. Was he always a horse who, who needed to be a little bit of a project that you were going to have to be a bit circumspect with earlier in the year? Yeah, I mean, even last year, he won his maiden quite comfortably at Haydock. Then we ran him in the Solario, and that knocked him back a bit. And then he won a novice race at Redcar right at the back end. was pretty, he was a big short price, 7-1 to on or 4-1 to on or something. And he was pretty unimpressive, I thought. Um, didn't thrive at all in the winter or the spring. And you could see every rib when he ran in the London Gold Cup. And it, it sort of, he found himself in front of Tom and so rode a race from the front, but he got beat. Then the step up in trip has helped him, but he's, he's maturing now and he's looking better and better uh, with each run, so that's a good sign. Uh, the market may not have been confident yesterday. I know you hold him in, in very high regard. What impressed you the most about yesterday's performance? Well, he did what I hoped he'd do because the the... The opposition looked like stayers to me. I saw Chesapeake win at Hamilton and he ground the, the field into the ground, so to speak. Loves a bit of cut in the ground and he's a thorough galloper. I didn't know anything about Aiden Source. Clearly didn't run his race. And I, I just thought it, he might have uh, more foot than them. Because uh, he, he showed a pretty nice turn of foot from the turn at Ascot. And I hope that would happen. So with a smallish field, Tom could take his time. And actually, he he was, you know, we were obviously watching him and him alone, or mainly. Um, but he looked like he was always going to win to me. And uh, it was just a question of whether he got out. And Maureen rang me straight after the race and said, I think I would have killed Tom uh, if he hadn't won today. And I said, well, I don't think you'd have had had a chance to and leave John Warren would have killed him first <laughs> so, but he got out and uh, won comfortably and uh, and 
good. Don't, I think Tom felt he was always under control. Don't you think, though? I, I thought that manoeuvre was really interesting yesterday when he dived in rather than taking yeah. the kind of more obvious straight back route of going outside. And I thought, isn't that just um, redolent of a rider who's absolutely at the top of his game, peak of his powers, willing to, you know, knowing where the margins are, knowing he can take a risk? Absolutely. But you've got to have the horse as well, Nick. And, you know, that's it's well known that ducking up the inside that uh, you you asked the French jockey in the race after ducking up the inside is a precarious route and it's much easier to shift to the outside but also the ground was a bit quicker on the inside yeah. but he was on it for much you know and he was lucky that James wasn't on the inside um, so he was able to nip up the inside, which is which is good. But you've got to have the horse to do it in those circumstances. And the the law of sod will dictate, of course, that if if everything's going against you and you've been beaten in fifteen photo finishes and you've had a, a whip ban and you haven't ridden a winner for three weeks or something like that, if he'd done that, it would have got it would have gone tits up. Well, if he'd been in that situation, he probably wouldn't have even even attempted it. Yeah. He'd have been down the outside getting clear at daylight, and that, that's what happens. So confidence is a big thing in every sport, especially riding horses, because even when we're driving a car and we've never ridden a horse in a horse race, you know, we have to make split decisions when to overtake, when to duck in or duck out or whatever we're doing. And jockeys have no wing mirrors, nothing. They can't see what's coming behind them. So they have to make instinctive reactions. And uh, when your confidence is good, they're usually the right ones. And when you're uh, looking for a gap, it never comes. It's, it's an extraordinary thing. You are good with these progeny of see the stars. Um, wh- why do they? It, it, it can't just be luck, can it? There must there must be something that that suits the way you do things. Well, we're very lucky to have plenty of them. Uh, he's a phenomenal stallion, and obviously we're, we're very well supported by Mrs. Choi, who owns it. But uh, I, I think most of my owners know that uh, it, one way to get to. Uh, uh, to me is, is by sending us see the stars so I'm, a, I'm obviously a big fan we've got a lot of them as I say so uh, we've got a few slow ones um, but not that many and we've got some lovely horses and they're all a bit different you know they're all some have got a bit more speed than others I mean obviously Baid had lots of speed um, but uh, this horse is going to stay and stay well and there's lots of stamina in the pedigree So you don't think he's too quick to win a St Ledger? But you see where I'm where I'm coming from. Yeah. No, I think he. I think I think you need a bit of speed in that race too. Be able to go where you want, and obviously the stamina horses will try and draw the sting out of it. But what's good about this horse to me is that you won on very quick ground at Ascot, and he's now won on pretty slow ground at Goodwood. So ground doesn't seem to bother him, uh, which stands you in good stead, not only for for next month but also for the future. So this this Royal Classic dream, it, it's still on. We thought it might be might be on in June. It's actually going to be on in September, I think. Well, it, it's, it's possible. Um, I'm sure. You know, he's a credible candidate now. And okay, he's only won a, a handicap in a Group Three race, but he's progressive. As I say, he goes on any ground, and he seems it seems likely that he'll get the trip. So why not have a go? Um, William, are you going to win this afternoon with Hamish, who was a, a late withdrawal from the King George? 
I'd love him to, Nick, but the ground's drying up a bit. It's, it, it's not as soft as it was when we declared him, but uh, he's definitely going to run, and, you know, I'm sure he'll run well because he's ultra-consistent. So hopefully uh, the other one won't run too badly. If it's dried up, the other one doesn't really want it that soft. Candleford. If it's dried up, Candleford will run a good race, yeah. Interesting. Um, have you got any good news for me about horses we haven't seen recently or not? Like. Oh, well, like Sense of Duty, and I mean, the ones I always mention, and I... I... Sense of Duty and Maljum are both in training, and we're really happy with both of them, actually, at this stage. We haven't turned many screws yet, but, you know, she is on schedule to make the uh, uh, Haydock race Good. Uh, in early September, and he could make the Moolah. Oh, that is exciting. So, That is good news on both counts. Well, um, you know, it's, uh, we're, we're treading carefully, we're being very cautious, um, but everything's going well at the moment. So, uh, yeah, it, it will help if we can get them back to their best in the autumn. And is my Prospero back on, on course for something soon? Yeah, he'll run, he'll run soon, I don't know where. Um, uh, he'll run soon. I was a little bit disappointed at first watch at... Um, at uh, York, but uh, the horse in great shape, and I think he's done well since that race too. So we need to get on and run him. I don't know where he'll go yet, but uh, we need to run him. All right, William. Thanks for your time this morning. My pleasure, Nick. Well, that was William Haggis. It's always good to catch up with him uh, on the podcast. He- giving plenty of information about lots of the good horses in his yard. Uh, chief amongst them, Desert Hero, who could yet uh, be that uh, Royal Classic winner that people were craving around coronation time earlier in the year. Um, Lee Moss, said a senior writer on the Racing Post, is, is with me now. This is a good horse, Lee, isn't it? He may yet end up being one of the better horses around by the end of the year. It's a good horse, Nick, and I think he'll win the St. Ledger. I like um, that. Bold, confident shout. No yeah, messing around. I think he wins the St. Ledger. Um, I was really impressed with what he did yesterday. I thought we saw a different side to him. Um, we saw a repeat of the tough, tenacious horse who puts his head down and wants to please. That was the horse that we saw winning at Royal Ascot. But I was struck by how well he travelled. Um, halfway down the straight, when, when Tom was just looking for a bit of room, he had a horse who was cruising underneath him. Now, I didn't see that so much at Ascot, but I thought there was class there as well. Um, so I think he's a a really progressive horse from one start to the next now he's he's improving in spades um, so I think he has a big chance I think he wins a race and I, I thought yesterday was what are you laughing no at? I'm just I, 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 I think it must be the, the fact there's a bit of sun poking through the clouds yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's day four a little bit demob happy yeah I've just I've, I've never known you, you walk straight out to the crease and, 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 yeah, and, re- and play shot and play shots like this I really like him yeah I really I like can him tell. and I think it, it's yes. it's like Zach Crawley first Absolutely, first, first ball with the first the ball. Ashes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you know. Yes, there's there's there, there's the heart as well, undoubtedly. And I think yesterday, you know, we've started a pod today with this. And I thought yesterday, even though we had a grip one on the card, it was the most interesting uh, story on on the day. Um, I thought John Warren, the the Royal Racing and Bluffstick advisor, spoke extremely well. Um, I asked him at one point, you know. Has there been any response yet from the King and Queen? Are they excited? And he just picked up his phone and showed me, saying that, you know, 
not showing what they said, but just making the point that they had been on the phone or they'd been spoken spoken to them already. Uh, they're absolutely. So we didn't show you a WhatsApp. He didn't show me what's up. HMK. No, I, I did notice at one point Harry Herbert, John's brother-in-law, reaching over the photographers to take pictures of the podium scene. I did think he was probably one of the few people on site who would probably have the two mobile numbers who he could send those pictures to directly, perhaps. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think it is a big deal. You know, 46 years since we had a, a Royal Classic winner. And I made the point in the piece today that we all remember what St. Ledger Day was like last year. You know, the Queen had died three days earlier. The That's race right. moved to the That's Sunday. Right. We got to, to Doncaster. I remember arriving at Doncaster with the sound of a, a lone piper playing Amazing Grace as you walked in. We had a beautiful black souvenir race car commemorating uh, the Queen's life. It was a, a very strange occasion. It was the first time on a British race course that um, God Save the King had been sung since uh, the Queen's death. Um, it was a very, uh, very sombre, uh, emotional occasion. Now, how different is St Ledger Day going to be this year if we go there with the prospect of the King and Queen winning the ledger? And I thought, interesting, John was just trying to check out yesterday what is the specific date of the race? Because I, I guess Royal Diaries are done far in advance, much further in advance of September 16th, but you never know, one of them might come along. I think it's a big deal. Yeah, and, and as you say, he's a horse with a, a terrific chance as well. Good to hear positive news there from William Haggis about a couple of his horses he was really pinning his hopes on for this season. He'd basically been absent. Um, Sense of Duty and Mal Doom on course for Haydock and the Moulin, respectively. You, you sort of feel that the back end of the year is likely to be his, don't you? you, you the, he hasn't he hasn't had the same level of unalloyed success as he did as he did last year. No, he hasn't. Um, but again, I think last year would be such a a difficult year um, to to keep pace with. Obviously, there was Bayid et al. Um, he's he's got a tremendous string of horses, and he's he's a, he's a superb operator. And I don't think you can. I don't think every every season for a trainer can be a vintage season. Just like every renewal of a King George can't be a vintage King George. If it was, the term vintage wouldn't mean anything. Things ebb and flow slightly. Yeah. But William's still got a, a string that most people Absolutely. would look at and think, my God, I'd wish I had that. Absolutely. He made reference there, of course, to Tom Marquand's ride, and we, we talked extensively about whether you dare or whether you don't dare to dive down the inside, and he referenced Aurelien Lemaitre and him being cut off at the pass or the cutaway by Ryan Moore in that uh, in that Nassau Stakes won by Al Hoosen yesterday. Al Hoosen for Shadwell, a second group one winner in the week for Jim Crowley. Uh, this one trained by Roger Varian, who's got designs on the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf at Santa Anita at the end of the season. Um, would Blue Rose Sen have won had Aurelien Lemaitre's bid for the inside not being cut off, do you think? Well, having been bold in my prediction about Desert Hero, I'm going to slightly sit on the fence here. I'm not sure. I was, I was a tad disappointed by how much she found when she actually got daylight. I think she is quite a relentless galloper. When you looked at the Prix de Diane win, she was prominent all the way. She was kicked for home a long way out and she kept finding. I'm not sure she's a filly who is marked by an instant turn of foot. So perhaps being blocked in her run two and three quarter furlongs out was a, a big deal for her. But I was still a little bit disappointed. Um, I, th I thought that they, they reacted to it very well. Christopher Head was very phlegmatic. Um, the jockey perhaps guilty of a little bit of naivety in dashing across to his right at the cutaway. There wasn't much chance that Ryan Moore was ever going to say, here, monsieur, 
and here's your way through, have a bit of space. Um, Ryan rode a, when I first saw it Nick I thought it was quite a canny ride but then when you look at the head on he's actually just doing what any jockey would do. Yeah exactly. He's moved across to the rail from the cutaway. The thing, the thing that surprised me I suppose, I thought Blue Rose then would just go forward from the gate and be positive. Yeah. And I guess he was thinking well I don't want to get into a duel and set it up but I think that's just the way she's best ridden, just get out there and, and, and get rolling. I think you're absolutely And in the right. end, the, the pace was was pedestrian, yeah. and Jim Crowley's just sitting shotgun to the outside of Ryan Moore, and as I said, the, the two local boys who know this place better than anybody else effectively just dictated the entire race. I think that's absolutely right, yeah. I, th- I think Blue Rose then would have been helped by being ridden more positively as she was ridden in, in the Prix de Diane. Um, I still think she is a a top-class filly, and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see her bounce back, particularly when she goes up to a mile and a half. Uh, I'm not sure she's got the the toe to be winning Group 1s over a mile and a quarter when they're run like that. Um, so I'd love to see them you know, roll the dice and have a go at, at the arc, maybe via the Priva I don't know. Um, I think she's very good. The, the, the winner maintains this extraordinary um, season for Shadwell, as an operation, <laughs> I said to somebody yesterday, since they since they dispersed about eighty percent of their stock, they've had about five times more Group One winners. It's incredible. It is bizarre, isn't it? I mean, they they are the best advertisement for downsizing <laughs> you could ever find because going for this uh, small but select operation has worked um, exceptionally well. Um, they keep firing out. We was only at Royal Ascot. I mean, forgive me, I, I can't remember the Phillies' name. Down. I went to the Ribblesdale Stakes. Yeah, Alasifa. Alasifa, thinking that Shadow. She'll, had she'll win a great one by the yeah, end of the year. Yeah, we all forgotten about her. Back, but yeah, yeah she, I mean, she looked top draw as well. Um, Jim Crowley is riding superbly well. We all know what happened on Saturday, but he's he's a real force there for, this, for the operation. And I think it's also interesting that it seems almost always when Shadwell has a big runner in a big race, Shaker Hissa is there yeah you know just like Sheikh Hamdan was of all the Maktoum brothers I think Sheikh Hamdan probably more than any of them was a regular sight on race courses when he had runners and Sheikh Hissa very much following her lead she's clearly no it's not token involvement she's loving it with heart and soul yeah yeah well, I would as well if yeah. I I mean just look at uh, Hook. If, if you said at the beginning of the year Al Houston will win a group one Hookham will come back to the track and win a, another Group One, not and, and probably the best one of the season as well. Um, uh, poor old horse that, that that has got an injury now, but managed to win a Group One and March. Yeah. You wouldn't have had him winning a Group One at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's been a it's been a remarkable success story. It has, you know, from from from. Alf Layla won a Group Two the other day. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, from fears that 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 Shadwell might be an operation that would fade away or that would just be gobbled up from by Godolphin and just form part of that. that none of that has happened. It, it's become a, a real distilled quality um, team now. And yeah, they're, they're having an absolutely mm. golden run. They are. I'll tell you who else is having a golden run. Um, after a few quiet weeks, his trainer John Quinn. He, uh, he just went quiet with his horses on purpose for a little while. Uh, laid a few out for Goodwood Week. He's run three so far, two winners in the second. He's got Highfield Princess, who's going to be the star, we think, of day four, as she's a heavy favourite for the uh, King George stakes. Amongst her key rivals is likely to be Equality, who's improving leaps and bounds for trainer Charlie Hills, and uh, who runs in the colours of Kennet Valley Syndicates, formerly Kennet Valley Thoroughbreds. Um, they had magical memory, win the Stewards Cup in 2015. He's now a Goodwood ambassador, that horse. Uh, and I put it to uh, Sam Hoskins, who runs 
Kennet Valley thoroughbreds that uh, Goodwood has been a, a very special place for them. Very special, Nick, and it's a sort of heartland for quite a few of our members as well. So it's always a big get together. Um, I'm actually uh, about to host a, a drinks and picnic for our members for about 80 people. So um, that was always planned for today, whether whether we'd be having runners or not. And um, it's, it's just really exciting to have a couple of runners today, and of course, quality having lining up a second favourite in the King George. I mean, this is a horse who I know Charlie Hills has always thought the world of, but it's only just lately that he's started to live up to those expectations. Given what you've seen from him the last couple of times, how high do you think he can fly? As you say, he's always really liked the horse, and obviously he'd have a great barometer of where you need to be to, to succeed at those, that high level. Um, and he is highly progressive. I mean, he's, it's been a real journey to get where we've been because as a three-year-old, he looked, as you remember, he was sort of fancied for the Palace of Holyrood House Handicappers. I think it was his first year, that race, and it did it rain all day. And um, he was too keen, etc. And he took a long time to race properly. Um, but, but he's progressive, actually, this season. Before, his obviously, his last two wins appear like he's just picked up. But the first two runs, actually, he had, he had excuses. The first time out, he was a bit, a bit key in the, the ground at Newmarket. Was, it was was very soft. Um, and at the Temple, obviously, there was a big drawbars that day. And he was drawn on the far side in the middle of the track. So, um, And then he went back at one, one very well at Windsor. Um, and then, obviously, he was impressive in the Coral Charge last time. So he is progressive. I think the view is on the ground that he... he um, appreciates he appreciates a little bit of give in the ground i mean it is probably a bit slower than we'd like but I, it's nothing to we've got to give it a go it's the same for everyone um, i think highfield princess just she's one amazing mare she is and uh she works she's proven on the ground and and yeah she's the one to beat but um how far a quality to go i mean we dream he's in the group one races and i think there is that the dreams alive that he could be a group one horse um and we just have to keep our fingers crossed and, and uh, um, yeah, he, they've always been comparisons with him and his stablemate Equilateral, who obviously takes him on today again. And they've, they've always been very close comparisons with those two in the yard. And obviously Equilateral's dance the dance at the, at the top level. Um, and we've got a dream we can do the same maybe one day. Yeah, you've run a horse called Dual Identity in the, in the Golden Mile as well. On his best form, he'd be, he'd be half interesting. What vibes is William Knight giving you? Yeah, he's very pleased with him, and he's always a horse that perhaps has run well fresh in the past. So, I mean, Ascot was a little bit of an afterthought last time because we didn't think he was getting into the Hunt Cup. So we were back, we were sort of planning on declaring him anyway. Um, and, but it was we assumed he wouldn't get in, but he did get in, and um, he ran. What he was actually second on his side there. Um, the ground, I think he handles a bit of, he's got a bit of knee actually by Bilardo, so he should handle a bit of give. I don't think he wants it too much, but that said, he is coming back in trip, so I think I think the ground should be okay. I, a draw, draw in 20 is, is not ideal. Um, obviously, it would be okay if they were coming middle to stand side, but I'm, I'm not sure from racing yesterday, I'm not sure that they will be. Um, Ryan Moore and Perotto's in 17, so hopefully Callum can, can follow Perotto around a bit. And um, he's got a high cruising speed. He, he's, he's well handicapped, and it would not be impossible. And obviously, the third, he, he likes these hurly burly fast paces, as we saw in the Cambridge last year. So it's not impossible. Um, so um, it'd be great for, for, for William Knight, who trains him, who obviously was a local boy down here. And he's a star with all of our members, as is Charlie. Um, and it'd be really special if, if either or both could run a big race. But obviously on, on the paper, obviously, quality's got the better chance. You mentioned William Knight's been a star for you. Of course, he has with the, the great old Sir Busker flying the flag so admirably over the last few years. I've noticed you've, you've had a subtle rebrand, Sam. You were Kennet Valley Thoroughbreds. You're now Kennet Valley Syndicates. Is that a sign that the, the operation is expanding or going in a different direction? 
Well, we always want to um, try to expand and make it all-inclusive and, and, and get more people involved. I think perhaps it, we perhaps might have been portrayed as one might not know that we were kind of open for business in the past and thoroughbreds is sort of, it might suggest it might be sort of a private group and you, you see lots of owners that actually might even be sole owners. Um, I, will, I always think back when um, uh, when Native River won the Gold Cup owned Bright Brocade Racing, you think, well, maybe that's a syndicate, but actually it wasn't. And I think Kennet Valley thoroughbreds perhaps might not have seemed so. So we want to make it um, glad obvious that Kennet Valley, we are a syndicate, we've been going for since 1988 when Nick Robertson found it and tried set it up to try to win the original Cartier Million sales races and uh, 35 years on we're still going. Um, unfortunately for Kennet Valley it's got uh, myself uh, now involved but um, it's, a, it's good fun and, and we try to get a lot of people involved and, and we always, our aim is always to try and give people a lot of fun and try and punch above a weight on the race course and we, we've been lucky in recent years with our sort of various group horses, Tullius, Magical Memory, um, Equality and Sabuska, they've all cost 50 grand or less and and, um, and it gives and, and we like hopefully we can sell the dream that, that maybe maybe we, um, we can get to the top level and, and enjoy racing um, for, for, for not for not um, uh, for, for not too dear a price as such. All right, that was Sam Hoskins there. Optimistic about a big run from Equality. I think he might run quite well too. But if Highfield Princess is in anything like her best form, she ought to win the King George. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it would be. Uh, almost a shame if she doesn't nick because we we know what she did um last year she was one of the absolute stars of 2022 she hasn't won a race this season in three starts but she hasn't run badly i mean i thought her, her reappearance in the duke of york was so eye-catching she was unlucky perhaps in the king's stand things didn't work out in the in the jubilee thereafter um i don't think there's any reason to believe that she isn't as good as she was last year that being the case she surely has to win this. No Group 1 penalty anymore. The ground's drying out, which will be helpful to her. Um, I think they'll be really disappointed if they don't win. And so there's no excuse in terms of trainer form, nor jockey form. Jason Hart's mm. been riding really well here um, this week. He's having a fantastic week. I mean, he, he almost ends up with two of his horses could be going yeah. towards the, the number up with Big Evs having won the, uh, the Malcolm um, on Wednesday. He'll be riding Highfield Princess in the Nunthorpe. And I would hope He's riding Highfield Princess in the number after after riding it to an impressive win here. Yeah, I think it's going to be five furlongs all the way for Highfield Princess now. I think if, it, if she goes well today, then it'll be none thought flying five. And I think they're looking at the Prix de l'Abbé this year as, as well. Well, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Prix de l'Abbé increasingly has become a race that some of the top sprinters just exactly. skip. I know, and I think they they clocked that last year and thought they yeah. might have left one. They might have left one on the table when she was on a roll. It can be very winnable, albeit it can be it can be. Uh, impacted by the, the, the on occasions horrific draw uh, bias on, on long, long short straight course that straight that straight shoot that the, one of the most difficult viewing tracks uh, of anywhere in in modern flat racing with perhaps the exception of the the second winning post at Longchamp. <laughs> I did hope Nick when they did the redevelopment of Longchamp that we could get get rid of the second winning post thing uh, and also get a better camera shot of the yeah, five furlong straight yeah absolutely yeah so difficult to watch races there but um, Olivier Delois, if he's listening to this, he's gone until October to try and rectify the whole second winning post thing. He and I'm sure he does. Yeah, so Olivier, if you, if you cancel that between now and then, that'd be magnifique. Or Monsieur de Edouard de Rothschild, who's we, just been re-elected, hasn't he? As has he really? France Gallo president. Yeah, well, democracy is a wonderful thing. It's the Magnolia Cup today, of course, raising money, as it always does, for important charities uh, around the world. This year, education for all, supporting young people, particularly in Malawi this time around. But it's a, a, a charity that does tremendously good work. 
2.2 million pounds net has been raised for charities in the well, just about decade yeah. of the Magnolia Cup. Ashley Wichard was the winner last year. I can't believe a year's gone by. Here you are working for Goodwood TV this time round. Uh, can you believe it? <laughs> I well, can't. I can believe the latter, <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, talking doesn't come as a problem to you. No, well, sometimes, sometimes it does. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be shadowing Hayley today, so... Hayley Moore. Hayley Moore, yeah. Uh, hopefully she's going to have the patience of a saint. And, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. And you're doing a bit of work with Racing TV at the moment as well as part of the, the Racing Media Academy. How have you enjoyed that? I've absolutely loved the placement. Yeah, I was gutted that I didn't get to do a, a show with you, Nick, but never mind. No, I've been a bit, I've, I've been a bit um, absent <laughs> lately. But you were, you were on the Sunday show with Tom, weren't you? Yes, yeah, Tom's great. We had a great um, show and it was lovely to meet Caroline as well, who's riding in the uh, Magnolia Cup this year. I mean, Caroline, it, it's an amazing story. She's 72 and she's riding in the Magnolia Cup. She's a, a hell of a rider. She's, lo- oh, she's the most lovely person and she was so... Um, she just wants to inspire everyone and I think she definitely will be, you know, anybody that sat on the sofa that using age as, a, as an excuse. I think when you see Caroline, you... You certainly can't use it as an excuse for much longer, can you? And uh, how's your your own riding going? Obviously, when you won the Magnolia Cup, you were quite a big part of Neil Mulholland's team. What have you done since in the saddle? I'm clinging on for dear life because all the jumpers are back in now. So <laughs> I spent all of last week going, please don't drop me, please don't drop me. And it's funny because people would think that the flat horses would be more difficult to ride. Oh, gosh, yeah, well, you go a bit longer in the um, with the jumpers. So, yeah, it's... It's prolonged. <laughs> Are you still enjoying it? I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I'd really like to get a balance if I can. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to be working towards. Well, it's lovely to see you here. We've not had um, any fashion expertise on the podcast this week, but I feel that you could easily step into that breach as well because Lee, Lee and I looked over and um, I can only say that uh, Ash's dress is spectacular today, <laughs> but I'm not going to try and begin to describe it. Lee might have a, Lee, Lee might have a bash in it. Well, it, it's incredibly um, colourful. I was going to say, don't say the word colourful. It's flowing. Uh, it's got a ripple effect. It's, it's gorgeous. It's, go- it's, it's gorgeous, isn't it, Ashley? It's gorgeous. Thank you. Go Thank on, you. tell me a little bit about it. So, Roxanda designed the colours um, for last year's Magnolia, Magnolia Cup. Cup. And um, so I thought, what better way than to sort of pay homage to her and um, basically reach out and ask if I could could sort of represent in her in her um, designs again this year and she's she's come up with this so well <laughs> you are you are doing her proud um, actually have a great day good luck thank you very much Nick thank you well you may remember during the Newmarket July Festival I spoke to Francis Stanley who's the chair of the board of trustees of the National Horse Racing Museum in Newmarket about the Banksy exhibition which had gone down a storm it has now got a significant addition which may well interest you if you are fans of contemporary art or just curious. Uh, and I'm joined now by Tracy Harding, who's the manager of Discover New Market. Uh, Tracy, how, how's Banksy gone down? Has the exhibition gone down? Oh, it's, it's been amazing. It really has. It's so lovely to overhear the conversations that are going on in the gallery. Here, obviously, some people have a great understanding of art, others not so much. But it's just so lovely for local people to come in and to say they've seen a Banksy and to see that kind of level of, you know, international artists right here in Newmarket. So it's been really, really lovely. I've had so many people ask me since the interview with Francis, how do you actually broker a deal to have a, a Banksy exhibition when Banksy's entire USP is their anonymity? 
the question that's been asked quite a few times actually so we're very very fortunate to be working with John Brandler um, who is the gallery a gallery owner in Essex and he has acquired a, an awful amount of um, street art in particular Banksy is renowned for that and his ethos as with many other gallery owners is that art should be on accessible and people should be able to view it have conversations about it uh, and raise a profile so he's very very kindly loaned all those pieces um, and that's why we've got them and it's also available in Berries and Edmonds and in Haverhill so it's actually a West Suffolk project so yeah really really fantastic for, for our area. Now tell me about this exciting final chapter to this particular story. We've had quite a few chapters actually on this journey. So yes, our latest chapter is that we are now uh, displaying Love is in the Air, which is um, the most expensive piece of Banksy to date. It's sold at Sotheby's um, for £10 million. So uh, it is called the £10 million Banksy piece. Uh, it is it was um, acquired by the Particle Foundation. And again, they kindly loaned it to us as part of a worldwide tour and to, to, to simply again so that people can actually see this kind of level of art and we are just so delighted to have that as part of the current exhibition and have you have you seen a good buzz about Newmarket because of this I mean it is something that is I think quite glorious because of its incongruity really and and that the National Horse Racing Museum can do things that are not simply focused on what is in and around the area Totally. This was a bold move of the um, museum. We are renowned for art, as in sporting art, so it's a sort of a, an extension of that, that if you enjoy art, um, come and enjoy this kind of street art, which couldn't be more, uh, the, you know, the opposite ends of our normal stubs and munnings. But it's, the, the museum has been able to work through Discover New Markets and a, a number of other organisations to actually expand this through the, out the whole town. So we've got a, another project running alongside New Market in Colour, which means that all our visitors to um, Newmarket Racing and others can all um, connect with this project because we've got uh, street art um, in various different locations that have all been worked with local artists and the community. We've got numerous free trails and loads, absolutely loads, here at the museum but also in other venues across Newmarket of free street art activities. So uh, if you're coming to Newmarket this summer, you're going to hit colour and if you ask yourself why, why is all these um, street art materials appeared is all based around the Mutiny and, ex and Mutiny and Colour exhibition here at the museum. So we've spread the love, we've spread the project and I think it's been one of the I think it's one of the, the new market works well together in teams and, and really backs initiatives and the whole of new market is backed this particular one and it's fantastic to see new audiences coming in. All right, thanks to Tracy, to all my guests today, Ashley Wichard, William Haggis, Sam Hoskins, Lee Mottishead still here, obviously rounding off uh, the week on the podcast with booze again. Um, you might be bored with it, I'm not bored with it. What do we got today? Right, Nick, following on from yesterday, because we had those wonderful Gusborne sparkling wines, we said, let's try those still Chardonnay. So I've got the Guinevere Chardonnay from Gusborne, and I thought we'd have a comparison. Take ourselves to Burgundy, because I know you like Burgundy. We've got a Chablis Premier Cru for you to taste as well. So I thought we'd do a little comparison there, because I'm very excited by the still wines coming out of England now. And Lee was talking about this earlier on this morning, about the Pinot Noirs as well, weren't you, Lee? Yeah, so uh, we ate last night at Ashley Park. Um, a vineyard about six years old, uh, just uh, the outskirts of Chichester. Uh, beautiful food, and we drank a Pinot Noir uh, that was not particularly pricey, um, but was absolutely gorgeous. It said on the on the label "jammy," and "jammy" is how I would describe it. It was extremely 
Not sure your shoes are quaffable, should you? Near well, in relation to a but yeah, you can. Come on, that's what's been been on such an easy drinking wine. But I think it's great yeah. because suddenly we've now going. We haven't talked about English reds much because it's been a very small part of production. And suddenly we're going. Pinot works here because it likes this cooler yeah. climate. And I've tasted some other Pinots now, thinking we've arrived with these. But also, I think we've arrived with Chardonnay as well from the still perspective. So I'll tell you what we're going to do first of all. Mm-hmm. Let's actually. So t- just a, this is a sort of tasting today. The six glasses lined up on the table. Could be could be a difficult shift with this <laughs> afternoon on the old racing post colour front. <laughs> right, I can't drink any more champagne this week. Right, come on. This, so this is the Chablis Premier Crew from Jean Goulet. So this is 2021, uh, which was a difficult vintage, but the quality of the fruit was great. Premier Crew from Montmartre and 100% Chardonnay, obviously. No oak in this, I don't think, but very vibrant, citrus, but it's really shows you what why we like Chablis actually getting quite a bit of peach mm. in there keep going Nick it's good because peach is a sort of citrus and it's got that real purity to it for me which I really like it's very streamlined peachy but a citrus nice length of finish very and nice. then you've got the Chardonnay just coming back on the finish so really nice alright so that's the what was that, that? Was that? that was Jean Goulet uh, Domaine Jean Goulet Premier Cru Chablis 2021 like that yep. yeah I think that's really good have I ever said I don't like one I don't <laughs> <laughs> actually I can't remember you did oh you did once you did actually say I think you tried a Chardonnay from Australia so I didn't like that so much but here we go right so coming from Kent we know that Gusborne have got vin- uh, vineyards in West Sussex and Kent this is the Guinevere so this is named after Andrew Weber's daughter um, yeah must have that one yeah so we're getting up at this amongst the six glasses. We'll get ourselves confused here. So the founder of Gusborne. So this is 2019. Very small production. Just had a, this is very different, Nick. Yeah, this is this is on. Yeah, it almost um, feels like it's going to be a Pouligny Montrachet type feel to yeah. me. It's 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 in barrel. So again, it's a different piece. It's nutty. Uh, very different from that sort of some citrus fruit there. Full of flavour actually on the palate. It's quite unusual. I quite like it. Mm. Full flavours. It's got that nutty carrot. It's got that citrus. A little bit of that sort of pineapple coming through as well. It's attractive. It's bigger style. I mean, I'm more sort of thinking, you know, more foodie style of white wine for me. Almost getting like a cocoa with chocolatey type yeah. feel to it. It's greatly. Oh, come on, that's what we want to hear. There's a lot. There's a lot of complexity here when you're saying things like that. You Tell know? you what, there's a lot of sudery around this table. <laughs> come on. 20, nice. 2019. I'd still keep aging. Mm. They only make, they've got four barrels, that's all they're producing so far, but they've got this wonderful show and they get out okay. from Kent. Do you like that? Yeah, I do. I, I, if you're going to ask me, see, it's, it's very different. I, yeah. And maybe it's the time of day you're drinking yes. as well. You see, the, 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 the Chablis, the Jean Goulet, this time in the morning feels better. Yes, I understand that. Fresh. I get that, yes. But yeah, whereas an evening... An evening white, maybe with food. I think. I think, I think the food. I mean, fish have some white meat even with this. I think it'd be great because it's yeah. just it's it's a much weightier piece, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And the complexity is really good too. If we were buying these in shops, what would we be paying for a bottle of these? Uh, you'd be paying about, I think, the Premier Crew about twenty-five to thirty pounds, and the um, Guinevere about thirty-five quid. Okay. So, but serious complexity here. Good contrast to wines. That's the thing, and it shows you what we're doing here in England yeah, as well. Totally and this this segment today was um, really in honour of my guest earlier in the show, Sam Hoskins, who told me how much he really enjoyed the wine segments. <laughs> on the, I like Sam. He's a good. Thanks, Sam. He's a good guy, Sam. I like the podcast. Rightly, that'll test him to see if he's actually listened to the end. 
Well, um, is it tip time? It yeah, is it is tip time. Okay, well, I, I, two things here, Nick. One, um, you have just very kindly cooperated uh, with the Racing Post Saturday jury, in which I can exclusively reveal yeah. you have tipped tactical for the Stewards' yeah. Cup. I've had one bet so far this week at Glory's Goodwood. That has been on tactical for the Stewards' Cup. Wow. We're both rolling in with wow. Julie Camacho and Steve Brown. Um, but more immediately, uh, I think uh, Awal has got a screaming good chance in the Golden Mile today. Um, three fantastic runs in big handicaps this season. Uh, travel particularly well last time. That would be a big asset round. Goodwood, Harry Davis takes £3 off. There is nothing for me not to like about Awal, nor tactical, in the Stewards' Cup. Good man, Lee. Thanks so much. Neil, thank you. Thanks to all my guests. Thank you for listening during Goodwood. Don't forget, Charlotte will be back this evening with the Saturday edition, and I will be back on Monday. But from all the team here, have a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.